Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Mike Sempervivi is all about the Chicago Bears' uh, victory over the Atlanta Falcons in week three of the 2020 NFL season. If you've ever listened to this show before, you've probably heard Mike on our wrestling-related shows because he is part of Wrestling Observer Live. But for this case, more importantly, he is an Atlanta Falcons fan. And it's never really great to be a Bears fan, but it must be remarkably worse to be an Atlanta Falcons fan. So I'm, I'm very glad that Mike took time uh, to talk to us about a historically bad game for the Falcons and a, and a somewhat interesting game for the Chicago Bears. Um, it's, it's a weird time right now, and that's why we have a Patreon account. Please consider donating. Uh, go to youmeetheneverybody.com. It's in every podcast description. Uh, the tiers are right there. Think about it this way. If you've ever been to one of these live shows that we've done, and we've done a few hundred at this point over the last 12 years, and you've offered to buy me a beer, and I said no because that was like part of the deal of me doing the show, consider this you buying me that beer right now. And if there's any Falcons fans in your life, consider buying them a beer. I haven't spoken to you in a while, so I'll start this how I start it with a lot of people. How has your COVID decade been? <laughs> it has been uh, okay. I am in southern delaware so uh we at the beach area so we would be okay if everybody did not want to flock from whatever location that they're at whether it be new york or dc or philadelphia and then come down and hide down here at their summer residences or just coming down here to get away so if it wasn't for those people then we'd probably be doing a little bit better but uh because we are uh southern delaware <laughs> we are in a little bit better shape just because uh, the, the the lack of people in comparison mm-hmm. to other places. So uh, I feel like I owe you an apology because I am a D.C. resident. I have not been to Delaware in a long time. Um, so not sorry. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> are you able to enjoy sports, both real and whatever you not want to call real sports, due to COVID? You know, there was a little bit of a curve to get over, you know, with everything going on. You know, as much as I love sports, as much as I cannot imagine a life without sports, it's sports. And it takes a backseat to many other things. And it's been fascinating the way that the college industry has dealt with it and and the way the college situation has unfolded in the way that it has with football. You know, football takes precedence. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to other sports, how they – how they everything kind of came to be, you know, they everybody's, you know, I don't want to say they've done the best that they can, but, you know, with the presentation of it, at least, you know, it doesn't really miss a beat with me. I've been to plenty of boxing events and and, and fight events where there's nobody there and wrestling shows where yeah. to watch those. It's really no big deal. And I think other sports like NASCAR, the NFL using pumped in NFL film sound. I mean, you know, it's not the same. No. But but with that said, I mean, look how many people how many people in this day and age, I mean, with the exception of maybe Major League Baseball, who can afford to go to games on the regular anyway, where the television experience isn't their first and foremost thing. So, I mean, in 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 an unfortunate way, that kind of helps matters, too, because it is such a television product now. As long as there's some ambient noise for people to to hear on the other end as they're watching their show, uh, you know, in some ways, that's kind of all you need. You're right, but um, I am living in Washington D.C. and I was able to go to a a Bulls uh, Wizards game for maybe eight dollars a ticket in December. So it's well, and those were really really good seats. And like, 
I'm a Bulls fan, so I'm very happy that the battle for 10th place did not take precedent in the StubHub market. But, like, I understand your point completely. That being said, this Falcons-Bears game, does this outcome happen if there is in-person attendance? Of course. Okay, so you're you're not you're not one of the people that believes the lack of a crowd determines some stuff that happens on the field. No, and, and the reality is is you're a professional, so mm-hmm. your job is to then adjust to that. I mean, you could be Reggie Jackson in in Oakland and then be traded to Baltimore, have a completely different scenario, a completely different set of fans. And I know that's dating myself, you know, it's even dating myself for myself, to be honest with you. But, you know, you have to be able to adjust to that, you know, with with empty stadiums. I mean, look, if you got traded to the Florida Marlins, you'd be playing in an empty stadium all the time anyway. So have you been there with the, the Marlins stadium? Yeah. No, I've never been there physically. No, you should go. If you ever get a chance, number one, super affordable ticket. Number two, <laughs> you wouldn't like the stadium like pops out out of nowhere. It's in a residential neighborhood the same way Wrigley is. And it's sort of like odd because Miami isn't like that usually. So it's weird in that way. And also the way the seats are angled aren't towards home plate. Right. So I was sitting between uh, the outfield and third base and our we were like essentially focused like seated towards the left fielder huh and it's like a new stadium so like it doesn't that's a design flaw that makes no sense and i know that every single baseball stadium has like one thing they didn't think about but that should be like like very obvious i thought about this like at nats your team's the nats right the nats they forgot to put the press box and that's why the press box is like the highest point in the stadium and it's the worst view in the stadium I always used to think that obstructive view was the most bizarre thing I could ever think of because, you know, growing up in that area, you know, it was Memorial Stadium and then it was Camden Yards. And I don't remember RFK having, you know, quote unquote, obstructed view or anything like that. Then they build these new stadiums and then it's like, that's almost like a feature. You know, yeah. you get to pay full price for these seats, but you get this big bar in your way. You that's know, it's just really one weird. of those design flaws. Uh, there's no design flaw when there's no fans, but I'm oddly okay you're okay with it, but I'm oddly okay with it because professional wrestling, I have not watched since Mania because it's jarring without the fans because it's so crowd-related. Football, I I don't think it really matters. And basketball, I think, has actually benefited from having no crowd because the floor has expanded in ways that you can't when there's a, a first row and photographers and media and stuff like that. That's true. Absolutely. And I think both the NHL and the NBA both deserve credit in their own ways. I think the NHL especially, too, just because they they get as little attention as they do, you know, on a national scale that I I thought they did a great job pulling off, number one, their bubble Mm -hmm. uh, and how things went with that, but also the presentation of the product. Oh, yeah. And, you know, know, hockey is hockey, and, you know, as we speak. You know, Dallas is is Tampa are bucking for the Stanley Cup, which is not exactly going to set anybody's hearts on fire or anything like that. But I think, you know, they they do deserve credit where credit is due when they occasionally are able to to pull one off. And Gary Bettman and whoever else has been involved has been able to do that. And the hockey thing is so disappointing because the NBA rightly gets as much acclaim as they do. And clearly I'm a big LeBron fan because I'm an American in the 21st century that wants to be on the right side of history. I'm not insane, but the NHL is doing a lot of great stuff. And I, I don't, 
Is it just because it's two not marquee teams that no one cares? Like, if this was a Pittsburgh LA series, would people care? Well, they'd be. Well, it, at least there would be probably more attention in the hockey. You know, where's the? I assume they're going to get good ratings, but you know, obviously, if there's a Boston, a Pittsburgh, a Washington, a Detroit, you know, those cities truly come out to watch their teams and can truly move, you know, the the media a little bit nationally. Whereas, you know, it's really you could have Stamkos, you could have any every great player in the world playing down in Tampa, and, and they do in some ways, and it's just not going to get you know anybody's attention and. It would be hard, even if it was Pittsburgh, even if it was Washington, even if it was a more marquee city or team, it would be tough right now anyway because the nature of the beast. There's every other sport going on right now. and just true. Unfortunately, the way things go, hockey is always going to be, you know, especially when – I mean, to the NFL – uh, the NFL takes up spots one, two, and three, and then the NBA is four and five, mm-hmm. and then hockey, you know, th- there's your top five as far as what gets the attention as far as people in the, you know, down here, obviously, in, in, in the fall and winter. I bet more people were interested in Class of Champions than Stanley Cup Finals. That's a, a arguable and debatable point that in some ways is very sad. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to the saddest thing possible. You are a Falcons fan. Oh, yeah. Why? Pity me. Uh, Well, see, when the Colts left, I picked the team at the top of the alphabet at the time, and St. Louis hadn't moved to Arizona, and I decided to pick Atlanta because my my family were big Giant fans, and we were living outside Washington, D.C., and Mm -hmm. I was going to Bell Pre-Elementary School, and uh, Alina Craig, I think, was the principal. Yes, I remember her name. And every Monday morning, we had to sing Hail to the Redskins in assembly because the second grade teacher's great uncle or something like that wrote Hail to the Redskins with George Preston Marshall. So I developed a little bit of a callus towards the Redskins there. Now, I always loved the radio team. There's uh, parts of history, whether it be Art Monk or Dexter Manley or Charles Mann. There are all sorts of of things that I, I loved about the Redskins, but coming from a family of giant fans who was forced to sing hail to the Redskins, I said, nay. So I decided to hitch my wagon to Joe Washington and whoever else was on the Colts at the time. And, and then fat drunk Bob Ursay moved the team to Indianapolis. And, and there I was with, without a, without a land and needing somebody to pick. So I shot the arrow at the top of the alphabet and th- there it's been ever since. So it's completely arbitrary. Absolutely. Wow. It was uh, one of those things where it was like, well, it, it can't be Pittsburgh because, you know, they were the Browns or the Bengals or anybody like that. No, nobody close can't be Washington, can't be Philadelphia, being my parents are Giant fans. And I just wanted to do something different than the Giants. And, you know, I could have picked Seattle. My stepfather suffered the same fate, who was you know a lifetime Baltimore guy where – you know, when the Colts left, he ended up picking Seattle because it was either Seattle or Tampa. They were the newest teams mm, at the time, and yeah. he attached his wagon to Seattle, and I probably would have been better off that way. Yes, you would have. Not probably. You would have been better off that way. And you know the damnedest thing? The damnedest thing is if Arizona would have moved or St. Louis Cardinals would have moved to Baltimore because we had a St. Louis – we had a Baltimore Cardinals sweatshirt somebody had when they were trying to woo them, and, and there's yeah. a picture – or me one of those somewhere around there but i swear if baltimore would have gotten a team that really jacksonville didn't deserve that if it was charlotte and baltimore 
then I probably would have just said, okay, I'm done with Atlanta. Baltimore's got a team back. Let's ride. But, you but did by the time team. that the Ravens... Yeah, exactly. Well, that's by the time the Ravens came from the, the Cleveland, it was too late. And to me, it was like Purple Browns. Now we're just doing what they did, which, you know, that, that's how they got the team, and that's fine, and they have Super Bowl titles, and I have misery. I like Atlanta. When I played Pop Warner, we were the Falcons, so I've always enjoyed Atlanta. Atlanta's got to be the most heartbreaking sports city in America. Oh, major American sports city. Um, everyone I know from Atlanta is a nice person. Um, I just feel bad for you. And it, your Super Bowl de- destruction is so indicative of the last four years. It's depressing. What can I say? It's <laughs> the Atlanta. I mean, if you look at Atlanta, one is as great and as dominant as Georgia can be in some levels in football. They are always going to be secondary to Alabama and Florida and Auburn and LSU in some ways, and not to their hardest fans, but that's the reality of the SEC when you have Alabama or LSU around. In basketball, the Atlanta Hawks are just always there. They've sometimes, died. Hockey sometimes they has, have the most dominant regular season, and yeah. then they get washed in like the first round of the playoffs. Yes, Dominique Wilkins, just the the, the feature of him. They, they've lost hockey twice. Yeah, you know the Braves were always known for being the team that came up short, and even the Braves, even the Braves, got their ring and got their trophy. Whereas Atlanta, you know, but whereas Atlanta with the Falcons. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons after the last two weeks and the Super Bowl are the poster children for coming up short. I mean, they are the walking, talking example of not being able to get the job done. And it's it's they are a laughing stock. And a part of me died. Part of me, football really did die after the Super Bowl, where it's like, you know what? You're going to have to eat this shame forever and all the jokes and everything else because the reality is there's nothing you can say until they win. Yeah. Now there's nothing you can say. And after the last two weeks, you know, with Dan Quinn, it's going to be until they do win one, it is impossible to always just look at Atlanta and take them as the symbol of being a loser. How do you not? How do you not already fire the head coach right now? We're recording at 7.45 on Monday night, Eastern time. He's still your coach. That's crazy. That's, you know, and that's a very likely just a 100%. It is obviously 100% Arthur Blank decision anyway, but he is not, doesn't seem to be one of those guys that's hasty with the trigger, at least early in the season. You know, it, it is a lot of rope. He gave him a lot of rope last year and, you know, I was thinking the same thing as the day went on today, but then I started thinking, what's what's the answer? Because what are you going to do? You know, Lincoln Lincoln Riley's not coming from Oklahoma now. Oh, uh, here's a, yeah. What do you want to happen? Do you want an zero sixteen season, or do you think that this is salvageable to make a run for the playoffs? Looking at the schedule, to me, it's not salvageable. Because okay. even though you have the entire – and the thing is, it is in that they have been in these games and they were even hanging around Seattle, who was an infinitely better team. I mean, they sniffed around them for a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is this a playoff team if things were going well? Yeah, it would be. But are they already shot? Probably yes. And 
My only thing with changing things now is, well, what do we then do? Who comes in? Because there's really nobody from the outside. Who from the outside is sitting there that can salvage it, you know, better than who's already there? I don't know. You know, does does Raheem Morris get the job? Does Mike Malarkey get to the job? Does Dirk Cutter get the job? I can give you a, 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 every reason in the world, and Sunday can give you every reason in the world why they should be fired too. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Do you just go ahead and wait? until the end of the season with a couple games left, essentially what he did with Dan Reeves and say, I'm going to let you go. Do you want to stay on for these last couple? Mm -hmm. If he says no and walks, then okay. Raheem Morris, it's your job. Dirk Cutter, it's your job. And then you clean house in the offseason. Thomas Dimitrioff is not going to, to choose what is going to happen with this team. Rich McKay may not be choosing what happens with this team. Dan Quinn is going to be out of here, I, I, regardless of anything. So does the entire staff go too? And in that case, is it just better to wait to the end? I don't know. The one thing I know is looking at the schedule, even though technically they can go on a run and win their division and go 6-0 in the division, they're not going to do that. Looking at how things are structured and looking at how things are laid out, I mean, the only thing that came from you know Green Bay – was probably next week going to put the nail in the in the Falcons, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, well, they're my Super Bowl pick, so uh, this is supposed to be more of a conversation about the Bears, but it's so, so nice. This, I'm not trying to make fun of you. This is so nice to not have to think about the Bear shortcomings for one well, week. Well, hey, I mean, look, well, you should be and everybody there. This is – talk about putting the nail in things. We helped you put the nail in Mitchell Trubisky after three years and three games – you know, Nick Foles isn't going to be your answer forever, but he's certainly going to be your answer for 2020. And oh, I, think... I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't really? go that far. I love a... Foles. I love that he's trying to do – he's cosplaying Jim McMahon in 2020. <laughs> I love it. But history repeats itself for a reason. Dude's going to get hurt, and it's a matter oh. of when, not if. So does he even make it? in two weeks to have that Tampa Bay uh, Super Bowl rematch against Brady, or will he already be hurt? That's the thing. That's in the way things have gone this year in the NFL. It's a very possible thing. And really, even if he doesn't get hurt and this is going to sound awful and I don't wish any bad juju on anyone, especially in the, the, the situation that the Falcons are in where they have so many injuries, including more coming out after this week. But you know, there's a really good chance the way things have gone, you're going to lose a star. So what if Allen Robinson does go down? What if Jimmy Graham does go down? What if, you know, well, we just what if one of those Cohen. safety valves, it, it changes everything, and then you start questioning everything again. We just lost Cohen to a torn ACL, I think. So, like, we're already losing. Every, but that's the thing. Everyone's losing people, and it's early, which makes me think the Falcons. I have not – I think the Lions have less of a chance to make the playoffs than the Falcons. You know, well, they're going to face off, I believe, at some point later on in the year. They're they're going to face mm-hmm. off, so I think they definitely are. So, you know, we can put that to the test. You know, does uh, you know Matt Ryan late in games making worse decisions than Matt Stafford? It tends to happen. Uh, we we saw it at the end of the game this week. We saw how this game was called. You know, Matt Patricia. I mean, but here's the one thing: is Matt Patricia and Dan Quinn. It is going to be if Dan Quinn is still there and really if Matt Patricia is still in Detroit at that point, because I think the game's towards the end of the season. I mean, it's a it's a, a poster child game of what happened to defenses yeah. because both of those guys were brought in to change defenses. And look, here's the thing with, with Dan Quinn in Atlanta is 
when you have so much money tied up in skill positions, you got to draft well. And if you look at, you know, where do you fill out your offensive line? I mean, there every once in a while you get your, your left tackle, you get your great uh, shot calling center. But in most cases, you're building through the draft. And if you look at what Atlanta's done, it has been horrific over the last 10 years with their draft picks and how those middle draft picks have panned out, not only on the offensive line, but across the board. And, you know, regardless of anything, even though guys were hurt, it's not like if Matt Gono wasn't playing and somebody else was that things would have been different. And and the same thing with Lidstrom. They just got overwhelmed. They just got engulfed by Mac and by X. And that result was going to be there no matter what. I'm going to wrap this up with a handful of questions that I'm asking everybody. What do you think the Falcons record is going to be in 2020? I hate to be so cynical to say five and 11. No, that's Um, very realistic and not that cynical at all. Honestly, that's not that bad. when, yeah, I mean, when you start looking right now and you start throwing the L's up, you know, it's hard not to say two to Tampa. It's hard not to mm-hmm. say two to New Orleans and maybe split with Carolina and lose to Green Bay. Yep. And it's just, it, it's going to be, they got a tough road to hoe for sure. What is the Chicago Bears record going to be? That's a good one too, because I mean, it's like Tennessee, it's a sneaky three and oh. And oh, I'm convinced that we're going to go four and oh, but on the season eight and eight. Well, and that's and I was thinking nine and seven. And, and are you seven? happy okay. with nine and seven? <laughs> Do we make the playoffs? Do the Chicago Bears make the playoffs with nine and seven? No, I don't think so. I, I think just because of the again the nature of the beast with the West, mm-hmm. you know, I think San Francisco if they can ever right the ship and get a little healthy, you know, Philadelphia actually is as wacky as Carson Wentz's time as there has been. You know, when these teams can start to come around a little bit and post bye weeks and everything, I, I'm interested to see how things shake out. But I think, oh, I got an again, idea. There's a midseason that, trade. We reunite Wentz and Foles for the Bears. Mitch becomes the starter for the Eagles and goes on a tear. Oh, my God. Come on. Why not? Never. It's Never. 2020. Why not? Uh, Actually, you know what? In this year, it, it's, you know what? Why not? <laughs> who, who ends the season uh, taking the snap for the Bears? Will it be Foles? Will it be Trubisky? Or will it be someone else? You know, it's Nick Foles unless he gets hurt. And if he does get hurt, I mean, there's hey, there's a shot at somebody else. There's a shot at somebody else until they, unless they figure out a way where it's like, again, I, I don't know. You bring somebody in and, and you have Trubisky try to play a Taysom Hill role or something like that. I don't know what you do there. And I, does Trubisky, did they have an option on him? Did, uh, they, did they decline one? I think they declined one and this is his last year. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to see where he actually ends up next year because he's going to get a shot as a backup somewhere. It'll be interesting to see where he lands. We'll have a completely separate conversation once the season is over about the XFL because I am convinced that the XFL will be turned into the NFL's version of the G League for the best possible reasons. I would love for that to be the case, and I could see is equally that he brought it to be a property and to be in movies and have all the equipment and everything yep. ready to go. Yep. Nothing would surprise me at all, but I tell you what, when it comes to centers who call plays, when it comes to offensive linemen, uh, edge rushers, uh, understanding things, all of those, we need 
some sort of buffer. We need some sort of collective of, of a minor league of guys who can continue to work in a pool that teams can draw from mm-hmm. throughout the season. I mean, it's just to it's, me as a, a exactly. football fan. Especially if he's able to get this thing up and running during COVID and he's able to pull off a bubble league where the NFL couldn't. How does this – who doesn't want to work with the highest grossing movie star right now? You know what I mean? Exactly. And look, who doesn't want to be in? And who doesn't want to throw their money at him? You know, mm-hmm. money loves money. And he is the that's still the hottest thing. And people love The Rock. I don't know about that shirt he was wearing. Did you see that endorsing Biden? It was yeah. like the yoga pants of shirts. That that thing was something else. After being after attending the 2016 and having to see Dana White up close, it's really nice to see someone on steroids be on the Dem side. That's it. This is... <laughs> This is true. <laughs> Who makes the Super Bowl? Oh, man. You know, God, Kansas City. Oh, man. Kansas City and Baltimore yeah. both. I love You got to pick. You got to pick. I'll go. I'll actually go Baltimore. I, okay. I think let's see. Baltimore, I think they're going to – I tell you what, Lamar, that's going to be the, the test. Playoff defenses. Can you get over the hump yeah. this year? And Let's say he does it. I'll say Baltimore on one side and, boy, on the other side. Hmm. It's a damn good question. I'll say I can't give it to New Orleans. It's got to be somebody else. I'm going to say Seattle. I love Russell Wilson. I love that defense. And if Carson's – if they can get their running game straight and as long as that offensive line can can kind of prop itself up and continue to prop itself up, the defense is too good and Russell's got too good of a connection with his team. Who wins the Super Bowl? I'll go with Seattle. Nice. I love that pick. I want it to be that team, but I have the Chiefs right now. We have, this is the fifth show of the season thus far. Uh, I've got the Chiefs. We got another Chiefs. We got a Saints. We got a Packers, and now we have a Seahawks. I uh, I hope you're right. It's not going to be my team. It's not going to be your team. I like the Seahawks. I like Pete Carroll. They're on the right side of history. It'd be nice to see Russell Wilson get another ring, which is a weird thing. I never thought I'd say, but I really like that team. And, you know, I kind of want Russell to get – I look at Russell Wilson, and granted, I've watched a lot of Seattle because of my stepfather over the years, and then, you know, he would be the one that would get Sunday tickets. So we'd watch Atlanta one a lot in Seattle at four. And to me, and I could be wrong, and I, I lived through Montana and, and Marino and that era for till now, I think Russell Wilson is an all-timer. I mean, oh, no yeah. question. And because oh, yeah. there are people that seem to doubt that. And it's like, if you told me you only have one person to win you this game, you know, I'm looking at history and I go, I see Unitas and I see Montana and I see Brady. I'd argue that it's Russell Wilson to make that pass, to make that one pass in that, you know, spot in the game. You know, with Matt Ryan having so many fourth quarter comebacks, it's because Atlanta was losing a lot. And you can make that case for Seattle, too. But it's also, you look at it through a different spectrum, at least I do, with Russell Wilson and see what those games were like. And he wins games that, you know, and pulls them out for his team. He doesn't just win games that he threw interceptions in and was losing for his team. He's usually the one bailing his team out. And I that's something that, that's an intangible that, that history is, you know, it's not going to be able to measure unless you saw him play. Something that's also an intangible is uh, Joe Montana saving his grandson or granddaughter from a kidnapping. That was wild. Yeah. yeah. That happened. And it's like, yeah, it was like, and it was like, I was waiting to see. It's like, this is somebody that's been stalking the family for a while. And they make it sound like it's just an everyday occurrence out there. It's like, yeah, a lady just came in and decided Hold to on. grab the Didn't baby happen- and roll out. Didn't that happen to your Cal Ripken Jr.? 
you know what? I'm not sure. Somebody being in the house, I, I maybe, Wasn't but like I, a that I don't recall. With like the family was involved. Oh, it's it's definitely possible. I wouldn't. I would not doubt that at all. Did that? I would not doubt that at all. That was one thing. Baltimore. There was so many of those old Baltimore Colts and stuff. There were so many accessible Baltimore people around. I'm surprised, you know, as many crazy people as Baltimore had. I'm surprised nothing didn't happen more. Um, thank you for doing this. Uh, good luck. I'm assuming you're going to watch the next 13 Falcons games regardless of uh, – regardless. <laughs> so oh, yeah. um, I understand, and I'll feel just as bad as you feel in probably seven weeks' time. You know, it's uh, it's the the torture that I love the most. It's uh, I come back for it constantly, no matter what happens. You know, the the Orioles killed me for so long that when the 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 Expos moved down, it's like, you know what? I grew up listening to the Orioles on WTOP anyway, so screw this. <laughs> uh, I'm going with the Nats. Uh, the the Knicks, yeah, I, I became a Knicks fan when Patrick Ewing, because Georgetown yeah. was drafted there, and I stuck with them until it's like if they don't fire Isaiah Thomas and they continue with this, I cannot in good faith ever give you money again. So are and they you didn't, rooting and for? I never gave the money again. So are you rooting for the Heat in the finals because of the Pat Riley Knicks connection? Not really, no. Okay. You know, it's actually more of a LeBron thing, and, and my kid likes LeBron. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's no offense to Jimmy Butler in Miami or anything like that, but it's like oh, this no, year. Oh, no, it is an offensive to the thing because I want LeBron to save this country, so I'm rooting for LeBron. <laughs> well, there's, and there's where it's, I mean, there's where my personal bias steps in because it's kind of the same reason why. It's like I just, because of this, it was like with the, the, the Falcons and the Patriots. To me, that was a that was a for-the-culture one. That was like Tyrone Woodley and Colby Covington. Damn it, it was for the right side of things. And unfortunately, Atlanta and, and Tyrone Woodley did not show up in those occasions, but that's okay. Uh, I'm hoping LeBron does it this time around. Symbolism is important uh, with me.